Dads, only on Badger Radio. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's Badger Radio. And welcome to our new show, In Dance. This is the show that is trying to explain why we go to festivals. Struggling through the mud with heavy bags, dressing up like multicolored attention seekers, dancing non-stop till our legs feel like they're going to fall off. Why do we do this? So I'm your host, Freddie Drabble, co-founder of The Artful Badger, and um, I'll be playing you tunes from all the best bands and acts at the festival this year, bringing you interviews with all the groundbreaking creatives that shape your festival experiences, and reportage direct from the arena. Uh, another shout out to the celebrated composer of our new theme tune, Orlando Robiton. Uh, you can check his work at pixelphonics.com if you like our new jingles. So we're here at the Wilderness Festival in Oxfordshire, and we're going to be getting our teeth right into the lineups and the philosophy of the festival in the next hour and a half or so. But for now, let's get into the mood with an amazing artist that's uh, new to me, uh, Laura Mavula. Um, and a riddle, just to get us into the wilderness programming style. Laura Mavula has been booked to play at Wilderness, but won't be playing her own music. Now, why is that? All right, a little riddle for you there. So this is from her 2013 album, Sing to the Moon, on RCA and Sony Records, appropriately called In the Green Garden. Take me outside, sit in the green garden, nobody out there, but it's so okay now, bathing in the sunlight, don't mind if rain falls, take me outside, sit in the green garden. of a butterfly high as a treetop down again putting my bag down taking my shoes off walking the carpet a green velvet So can now, bathing the sunlight, don't mind. 
So today we're going to be working out what makes Wilderness Festival tick. It was created seven years ago by the same creators of the original Secret Garden, uh, with the idea of reconnecting people to nature through the sharing of culture in nature. Priding themselves on non-musical entertainment too, they say that there's an, in, an equality of disciplines here. So, so theatre is as important as live music, gastronomy is as important as art, and talks and debates are as important as the games and the interactivity. And they also bill it as a growing community. Um, there is, so there really is something for everyone. Uh, um, because of this refined program, it, it becomes more of a it's becoming more of a daytime festival than a than, than a mashup, uh, attracting many many families. Um, although there is a revelers village for the party crowd, which we will be visiting later, and the infamous uh, valley for electronic music. So what a show have we got for you today. We're going to be looking at wilderness in terms of some of these pillars of utmost importance uh, that I think are just crucial for a successful festival. Um, first of all, I think in wilderness's case is non-musical entertainment like talks, debates, uh, walkabout performance and games. We'll, we'll be interviewing an Italian author, Francesco Dimitri, uh, in the forum Talks Tent about his books, uh, the importance of wonder in our lives and the school of life. Um, we'll also be chatting about some one-off projects uh, unique to Wilderness Festival, like the Wilderness Orchestra, made up entirely of people who, who come to the festival, and their yearly tributes to influential artists that have passed on. Secondly, the beautiful natural environment. Um, Cornbury Park is just absolutely stunning, and we'll be looking at how that affects the atmosphere. Spectacle, third, third important pillar. This Wilderness tradition of a, a, a Saturday night theatrical spectacle continues. Uh, so we'll be looking at this year's fun spectacle. And last but not least, of course, the music. We're going to be interviewing highly respected and experienced DJ and music programmer Chris Tofu about 30 years of underground live music projects and his recent MBE for services to music. And we're also going to be talking to the Aranio Balkan Improvisation Collective, The Turbans, about their festival journey from playing around the fire to playing the main stage with 30 musicians this year. <laughs> So next up is a headliner and personal hero I've been wanting to see live again for years, Bonobo. Uh, he's a bassist by trade and started mixing live instrumentals and beats on Ninja Tune about 15 years ago. But in the last five years, to raging critical acclaim, he's taken house music into the fold and his sets are now a moody mix of deep melodics and deep bass beats. Uh, his set on the main stage was fantastic and why did we dance? So let's play a track from his 2010 album Black Sands on Beat Records. This is We Could Forever.
music from the underground, only on Badger Radio. So as I said, uh, Wilmers pride themselves on an extensive and diverse non-musical entertainment programme. And this includes a fantastic stage called The Clubhouse, uh, which hosts ridiculous interactive games and workouts by the likes of The Spiritual Playground that we caught up with on the SGP podcast, if you're interested. Uh, and Beard Kitten, also featured on the SGP podcast, host a cricket match there, uh, for which they have a scoreboard for naked streaks, uh, of which there are very many. They have cabarets, they have fitness sessions, they have sing-alongs, they have musical quizzes. This is entertainment at its most interactive and unpretentious. I, I just absolutely love it. But there is a slightly more serious side to all of this, uh, as talks and debates take centre stage in the Books 10 and in the Forum. Uh, including this year Vince Cable, who's back again, uh, Bruce Parry, who's got a new film coming out, and Georges Monbiot, um, and, and many, many more. Uh, so we got down to the forum earlier to listen to one of these talks and meet its mastermind, Francesco Dimitri. As far as I'm concerned, the Wilderness Festival, the best thing about, well, one of the best things about it is the non-musical entertainment. Um, and these guys really have pioneered this in the in the shape of the forum, which is a talks tent. And there's all kinds of different talks and presentations, uh, different levels of interactivity. But the forum is a magical place. And so I'm very lucky to have just heard a beautiful, beautiful talk uh, from Francesco Dimitri, uh, an Italian author who's now writing in English. And um, Francesco, thank you for joining me. Welcome to Badger Radio. How are you? Not bad, not bad at all. We met yesterday, you were ecstatically dancing with us in the woods. Did you enjoy your dance? I loved it, I loved it. I, I love the feeling, I love the feeling of connection that there was and a lot of feeling of being out in nature and being able to express something through movement. And often we find movement work is really, really good for grounding yourself to then do intellectual work. It's almost like clearing the mind. Almost. Absolutely. I think that there is a... There's it's a huge mistake to make a, a distinct separation between intellectual work and physical work. Too many intellectuals are so wrapped up in their ideas that they forget how important movement is. Exactly, exactly. So, Francesca is an author and a corporate communications trainer. And he's also a faculty member of the School of Life. Um, I was very curious when I heard about this, which is an organization that encourages people to learn about emotional intelligence. So I'm very curious about this, Francesco. I want to know a bit more about this emotional intelligence. But first of all, um, you've got three books coming out this year alone. Yes. I mean, that is an insane amount of work. Um, what brought you to writing in the first place? And have you always written that much? I've always written quite a lot. <laughs> I, I tend to go for without writing for a while, and then I tend to go without writing for a while, and then I have an output, a stronger output for, for a while. So it's, I, I've been always been writing. I, my first book was published in 2004. It was only 23. Mm-hmm. So it's been basically the only real job I ever had. Well, that's fantastic, isn't it? Because often it's in the background, isn't it? So it's wonderful when that can be right at the fore from the very beginning. And um, this morning you've spoken a lot about wonder uh, and wonderfulness and how we should all be wonderful. Can you just talk a little bit about this and the school of life and how are these? why are these themes so important to you? It's important because wonder is the source of everything we do. Plato say that wonder is the beginning of philosophy. <coughs> Therefore, a Greek philosopher means the beginning of everything, really. So all our science, all our art, all our political passions are born out of wonder, are born out of the moment in which you just say, wow. 
in which rationality fails and you can't really articulate what you're feeling, but you're feeling something powerful, a connection with the world around you and with people and with ideas. Mm. But it's a feeling that we've been losing. And my work is about bringing it back, finding techniques and trainings to bring that back. Yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. And the School of Life, tell us a little bit about that. And the School of Life is amazing. It's what we do is teaching people, helping people to connect with their emotional intelligence, as we were saying, because we are so wrapped up in the idea that intelligence is about IQ, it's about numbers, it's about books, that we forget how important it is to be in touch with our emotions. But we do that in a very intellectual way. Absolutely. So we do that by using philosophy and art and literature, etc. So we're basically saying that this is a, a sort of lost part of the spectrum, that this part of the human mind has been underestimated and undervalued. Yeah, absolutely. We, tend to, we take it for granted that our emotions are just there, mm. as if our muscles are just there. And to an extent, it is too. Mm. But if you never go to the gym, your muscles won't be very able to carry you, won't be very fit. Mm. And we try to give emotional fitness to people. We need that. And there are any of your new books about this? What, what are the well, new books about? Yes, they are. My next book is exactly about this. It's called Read Aloud. It's out in November. And it's about human connection to literature. Mm. So it's about, it's a collection of writings meant to be read aloud to grown-ups. Uh -huh, lovely. Creating and helping each other yeah. to understand things by using literature. Mm. And then I have a novel coming out in June. And then my next book is about Sense of Wonder, the one after the novel. Absolutely. Yeah. And this, this theme is clearly central. You know, it's almost, I, almost a mission. You mentioned that you were a yeah. bit of a preacher. Yes, yes. I, I, of course, I use the word with a lot of irony. But yes, yeah. it's a, a kind of non-religious preacher about wonder because we need it. And the thing with wonder is that if we don't harness it, all the forces will. Mm. And uh, our lack of wonder, lack of wonder brings to populism, lack of wonder brings to ennui, lack of wonder brings to suicide in many cases. Absolutely. So it's, I think it is a central thing for our... Uh, I think I can agree with you there. Well, listen, you're also a fantastic public speaker. Is that something you've always done? I, I grew up doing that because yeah. I, I started doing talks again when I was 22, probably. Yeah. So it's been part of my job for so long. And then I became a corporate trainer. And yeah. then I've been speaking in public in so many different venues and so many things. So it's, it is part of what I do. And in terms of the efficiency of that, obviously your passion is writing, you know, how does it compare public speaking and facilitation as a means of communication? Do you think it's more effective or is it just horses it's, for courses? It's different. I think that the beautiful thing about public speaking and about facilitation is that you are physically there. The thing with books, I love books, they are my favorite thing in the world, but books have a limit. They don't involve your body. And I think bodies are important. Mm. And the physical presence of someone there mm. with you is immensely important. Mm -hmm. And I think and that makes all the difference. And also these activities. Exactly. This the engaging interacting, activities. The eye contact, you know, exactly. breathing the same air, sweating the same sweat. It's, mm -hmm. it's, this is why I, I love the workshop this much, Absolutely. that much, because I, I could have the feeling of... Again, like emotional intelligence and academic intelligence, really, you can't have one without the other. Exactly. It would be incomplete. I exactly. see. Exactly. I see. In Renaissance magic, Renaissance philosophy, there was the idea that you had to balance the planets. Mm. And there were the planets that were about war, and were planets that were about study, and were planets that were about wits. Mm. So I think we need to be balanced that way. I need mm. to be balanced. In terms of festivals, uh, on Intense, we're all about finding out why we come to festivals. What's your motive to come and speak at a place like this? And do you find festivals an effective place to share new ideas? Absolutely. Uh, people come to festivals for have an intense experience, as you say, for intensive experience. They're not here for the music. They're not of course the music is important they're not here for the workshops per se of course the workshops are important but what really matters is that they create a context in which everything comes together and they make every minute of life in a weekend 
incredibly intense. Mm. And they think that we can harness that intensity to grow up together. A kind of microcosm of the world. A kind of microcosm of the world. And we could have, we can have very transformative festivals, very transformative today's, exactly because they're so intense. We can mm. harness that. So you feel it's almost together. a duty. It's almost a duty for you to bring this work. To I this think place. it is. I think it is because either we, we live in a world that's changing fast, and it can change in very ugly ways, or it can change in beautiful ways. If we stand back and don't do our bit, we don't have a right to complain when bad things happen. Then mm. it's our responsibility, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, very quickly, some more themes in your books. Like, apart from this wonder theme, you know, what is the sort of central pillar, the, the, shall we say, the mission? For me, it's about human connection. Because, again, I'm a very bookish person, but the limit I see in many bookish persons like me is that we're not necessarily connected to other human beings. You have a whole lot of books that talk about other books. I'm as interested in persons as I am interested in books. So I like dancing, I like books, I like music. You know, I, I have a whole spectrum of pleasures. And I'd like to bring those pleasures together. Absolutely. I think that it's important important to connect, physically connect with other human beings. Mm. So if we're looking at your career as mm -hmm. a kind of wave, um, you know, what's next on Dimitri's journey? Are you finding that your work is going off in new directions or are you just consolidating what you've been working with for so long? Uh, I don't have a career, I have patchwork. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really have no idea what, what's next on the patchwork. I think I'm going to work on Wonder a lot in the next year or so. Mm -hmm. And I'm planning on having some quite intensive workshops on this, some intensive live event on Wonder. But other than that, I have no idea. And actually, it's quite nice not to know. Ah, that's, I love it. I love it. I and I guess em emotional intelligence kind of. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, my passions are always there. Hmm. So emotional intelligence, human connection, books, literature, stories—they're hmm. always there in the background. But the way in which I express that, I try not to think too much in the future because I like to make it up as I go. Well, I certainly want to I want to read this book about wonder. Where can the readers find it? When's it out? And, uh, and what's the best way to follow your work? Have you got a website? No, I got a Twitter handle. I don't have a website and I'm not on Facebook because I, I, I try to keep my digital presence as little as possible because I have different things to do with my life. But I'm on Twitter and I engage on Twitter very much. It's mm. My handle is fdimitri. So it's, it's quite easy to find F me there. Dimitri. F. Dimitri, yes. And okay. I engage there quite a lot with my readers and with people coming to my workshops, etc. And what's the name of the book? The name of the book is The Book of Wonder. The Book of Wonder. Yes, but it'll take a while because I'm still writing it. And I'm, oh, yes, you're still going, writing Yeah. It's not going to be out before the end of 2018. Well, we've got three books coming out this year in, well, the, yes, in the meantime. The, yes, exactly. So this time. The next Francesca. one is just out in November. Thank so. you so much for taking time out after a long and engaging talk to, to be with us on Badger Radio. Really my pleasure. Francesco. Dimitri. But the innovation doesn't just stop at games, cabarets, talks and debates. The atrium stage uh, is an extraordinary mix-mash of high arts, this year including contemporary dance from Sadler's Wells and the Rombert Dance Company, uh, mass weddings, uh, mass yoga, break dancing, uh, letters live, uh, saw the reading of letters from yesteryear, uh, from extraordinary talents like Dominic Cumberbatch, uh, Ian McShane and Russell Brand. Really, really interesting programming. Uh, the National Theatre performed Amadeus. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Uh, but my all-time favourite thing about this totally unique stage is the Wilderness Orchestra. An entire orchestra compiled of members of the audience who rehearse at the festival uh, under the inspired direction of, of genius Ewan Campbell. Uh, this orchestra takes part in a, in a yearly homage uh, to a really influential artist that's passed away. Uh, they did Bowie last year, and this year we had Nina Simone. 
and a formidable cabine of talent um, uh, took on the challenge of singing her songs, including Laura Mavula, uh, who we heard at the beginning of the show. So that's the answer to the riddle. Uh, it was Nina's songs uh, she was booked to come and sing. Uh, and also including Honeyfeet's Rihanna Connolly from Manchester, who we're going to hear a little bit later. You've got to check these guys out. Honeyfeet, an incredible voice, this lady. And Leanne Carroll with Ronnie Scotts as well. So it's such a unique piece of programming, um, not only just because it's one-off just for this weekend, but it's because it's performed by a, a, an amateur orchestra, fans of the festival. And, and for me, that's really the type of thing that sets Wilderness uh, apart from me. So hats off to Ben Devere, uh, who programs the atrium and, and the forum. So this 1958 track coming up next is from the first LP I ever bought, and it needs no introduction. From her album Little Boy Blue, this is Nina Simone's my baby just cares for me. My baby don't care for shows. My baby don't care for clothes. My baby just cares for me. My baby don't care for And races, my baby don't care for. I don't please. Liz Taylor is not a star high, and even Lana Turner's smile. Something he can't see. My baby don't care. Something 
he can't see Is something he can't see I wonder about to roll With baby My baby just cares for Wilness is set in uh, an ancient and uh, in the ancient magical grounds of the Cornbury Park Estate in Oxfordshire, and it's surrounded by a park of trees and forests that have been protected since medieval times because uh, um, they were royal hunting grounds, and, and it was named Witchwood. Uh, and there was a fair by the same name, Witchwood Fair, held in the woods uh, in the 1700s until it was eventually banned by the church in 1856. Uh, for crime and debauchery. So I'd love to make a show about that one day um, for Wilderness. That'd be really good fun. Now, I can't guarantee it, but as far as I know, uh, it's a virgin forest and has never been cut. So this this happy land, let's call it happy land, sets the most grounded and calm scene for the festival, not just as a backdrop, a uh, beautiful backdrop, but, a, but as a totally intact woodland ecosystem that we rarely see anymore in the UK, uh, or indeed in the West. So you can sit under these these oak trees of two and a half meter diameter. It really is quite something. And the owner, Robin Kayser, the, the third bar- Baron Roderick, he's really been totally behind the festival since it started and is a great fan of rewilding the public. He suggested that under controlled circumstances, the public uh, should be allowed to get off site. Um, so, for example, he suggested hunter gather cook, uh, do a foraging, skinning and wild cooking workshop. Also, they're off-site. You can see the rogue theatre guys, um, and they promenade you off into the depths of the woodland for feral adventures with fairies and sprites. Punters can sign up to wild swimming, morning runs through the state, horse riding, uh, wildlife watching, you know, like like frog populations, and of course our wild workshop program where, where punters can do various types of movement and um, meditation workshops deep in the forest. So all I can say is that the, the festival's really held by this well-established and undisturbed natural reserve. So what a place to submerge yourself in nature and remind yourself uh, of your wild roots. So next up is Honey Feet, Manchester's finest Ithatrad folk hop band, uh, combining a host of roots, including Irish folk, soul, blues and hip hop, but but it really just doesn't cover it. You just have to check them out. Uh, this is a version of their track, Knocking on Another Man's Door, uh, that they recorded for Manchester Homegrown Talent Promoters, The Sessions of March, uh, who are doing a great job up in Manchester. Turn it up. Thank you. 
So Wilderness does have a bit of a reputation for being a posh festival, where you can be sure to find champagne and lobster uh, at all hours of the day, and you're never far from a plummy voice. Um, and, uh, and even David Cameron pops down to see his mates every couple of years. I mean, he does only live 10 miles away. Uh, so here's a chap I bumped into earlier at the Bloody Mary tent. To be totally honest, I don't like festivals at all. I find them very grotty, very muddy, uh, the music's too loud. Uh, I don't like camping whatsoever. Uh, if I do go uh, to any kind of festival, it's usually a literary festival. I did go to Glastonbury last year, uh, out of uh, cohesion by my wife, uh, but we made sure we had one of those, uh, we glamped, so we had one of those uh, like teepees, I suppose you'd call them. Uh, we had all the modern cons, we had a little electric stove, we had a steamer for my skin, because I get quite blotchy in the summertime, which is very unusual and very, very, very awkward in social situations. Uh, I drank my weight in cider, uh, threw up several times, and I just was there to see Mumford and Sons bully. Intense only on Badger Radio. Thanks to genius Irish actor and comedian Ben Keenan for this parody. You can check his work out at thisisbenkeenan.com. He's flipping hilarious. Right, that's it. I can't wait any longer. I've got to get into these music interviews because I just love these guys too much. So as night falls, you've had enough of wild swimming in the lakes and watching theatre shows, listening to politicians and journalists in the forum. You've had enough of sunbathing by the main stage and feasting with Otto Lenghi. Uh, and you find yourself gravitating towards the Revelers' Village, the nighttime zone of DJs, live music and dancing. Arthur Badge have had venues here for five years. You can also find quirky live stages like the Petersham Playhouse, uh, the pumping DJ stage in the Valley. Um, but we went to discover more about the Carousel, a live stage on a funfair uh, carousel, a funfair carousel complete with horses. So I have arrived into the evening area of wilderness. And this is where, after an, uh, a, a predominantly daytime program, the revelers go. Uh, in the evenings and the first stop that caught my eye was the carousel and I'm literally lying on the carousel underneath the horses it's not spinning at least not yet because uh, the first band's coming on in a minute and I'm sitting here with Chris Toffey the famous the extraordinary the inspirational Chris Toffey who I'm extremely proud to call a mentor and also extremely proud to be interviewing for you guys uh, on Badger Radio today <laughs> Chris is a vibe engineer from the National Vibe Society. Yes. Uh, he's been a DJ and live music program for over 30 years. Yes. Specializing in uh, underground festival bands and acts, spanning the world of fusion and world music, vintage, but then mixing that with 21st century sounds, and he's, he's really pioneered it. And it's Such clarity, such <laughs> clarity. Beautiful. Well, the clarity, Chris, comes out in your programs, there's <laughs> no doubt, because you've just been awarded um, an MBE for your service to music. Um, but, Chris, my question is, first of all, welcome to the show, Chris, sorry. What the hell? <laughs> welcome to the show. I'm Thanks here, for taking the time. Yeah, man. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time out. But, dude, the MBE, we're all talking yes, about it. We're all yes. so happy for you. Yes. But I was like, cheekily, I thought, Chris, surely the rock and roll thing to do is to say, no, like all those rock and rollers, what are they, you know, Rolling Stones, no, yes. I'm not accepting that, I'm anti-royalist. So yes. what's going on with that? Well, it was a very, very un... I had no idea that it was going to come along. 
and then it comes from the Arts Council for our work with Global Local and new bands and festival staff. But the worst thing about it, because actually what I should actually do is probably melt it down, turn it into some symbolic object and ship it back to the um, government really. I told my mum and then it, it was too late. And she was over the moon on it. I was like, no, nothing is worth more than... It's not for me, it's my mum. <laughs> and it's not for me anyway, it's for my team as well. And pay off for a yeah, lot of, lot of years of hard work. you think you're going to do these things, but when it comes along, you're like, damn, this is just absolutely... I'm just the guy receiving this, but I've got a team who make more than me happen as well, so... Mm. So, that as well. so your mum was really, really happy. I mean, what, she how did so she happy. react? She, she, nearly, must she have, nearly fainted. She nearly fainted. She was like, I have to sit down. She was like, MBE, what's that? Okay, so she did. She was so shocked. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't have happened. So this is for Global Local, right? Which is your one of your organisations. And you said it was, it was funded by the Arts Council. Yes. And it's supporting international fusion music from London in particular, if I've understood. No, that. Particularly from London, but London is a great place for music, as you know, and uh, there's so many different cultures there. So what's the local aspect of Global Local? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that the uh, festivals and other really brilliant places lack the kind of what's actually going on in the streets so much in terms of Latino music, African music, Arabic remix music, especially the remix. And this is the streets of Britain we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, say the streets of Britain, if you like, because we have a lot of bands from out of London. But the situation is, all those cultures that are part of England, which actually, despite Brexit, we're really proud about, all those cultures mix up in London. It's like a liquidizer of culture. And it creates this sound from people all around the world mixing up with whatever sounds are going down in London. Those type of sounds we've been concentrating on for 10 years and they fall in places like Gypsy Beats, like Latino Remix, African Remix, you know, and it's an amazing journey. So we're super lucky. And it's really cool that it's beyond genre as well. When fusion gets that kind of diverse, yeah. it's, you can't really pin things down. And I'm always Well, actually, that. it's very difficult to find a band that is beyond a genre, then it's not easy for them because they're... The English like to pigeonhole, the record labels yeah, like yeah. to pigeonhole. Well, it's like, how do you sell stuff? Yeah. And like, we're kind of blaggers, so if a pigeonhole helps, that's a good look. But, you know, later, it would be great to escape it. <laughs> mm. So you're helping these guys get the first rung on the ladder, as it yeah. were. And then they can go on their own. About 200 bands a year. Yeah. And they are all so grateful to you. But I imagine this takes an enormous amount of energy. You know, you're producing hundreds of events a year. Yeah. You've been doing it for many years. You're on the road constantly. What keeps you so energized and motivated and positive? Because it's oh, infectious. You know what? Like I say, you know, I'm like, uh, we're all involved in this crazy hospitality world, whether that's like a, like a hotel guy or us guys down here. We've got one thing, which is make the punters happy. And we make the punters happier than anyone else on the planet. It's like I'm an ice cream van, but I'm handing out ice cream vibes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's what we're experts in it. I challenge anyone else. We know how to make people happy at a festival because we love them. Yeah, and we and think barriers have fallen down and they're important anthropological areas. Oh, brilliant words, Chris. Thank you. Okay, right, on to festivals in general. As we know, the last 10 years, it's been an explosion. The festival industry, you know, has, has exploded. Yeah. Lots of people are investing. The content's still good in some cases. Yeah. Um, 
what do you think is the recipe? What is it that these the different things that come to mind when you think, why has this been such a success? Why is it irresistible? Well, Freddie, it's funny you should ask that. <laughs> because um, it's much more nuanced than that. I think the question really should be, what is the recipe for the successful, long-lasting festival? Hmm. That's really the question, because there's a lot of festivals that are just popping up and disappearing and leaving people in terrible holes. The set, I think, personally, it's about creating a place where you really value the audience, they really love being there, and there's this thing where there's small stages and big stages and people coming together where they wouldn't normally come together, creating a massive feeling between each other of, uh, you know, like respect for each other. Mm. And plus creating those places where that can happen. Like every time we create a stage, it's not for us. It's like the people's lounge. Do you know what I'm saying? So those think- places will last. Boomtown, Bearded Theory. We're, uh, wilderness, SGP didn't last, unfortunately, but those places where there's vibes and there's this uncomfortable relationship between the people in making money <laughs> and the ones who are putting the art in as well, you know. Absolutely, and it's... it's, it's where it's, those things work in focus together, it's a good look. Exactly, and, uh, and I think they can coexist if managed correctly with the right ethics, you know, noisily, Shambhala, you know, yeah. these guys have got, in my opinion, the, the right approach. Okay. Right. So what's your message to young musicians? There's a lot of us out there. We're excited by the music. We're yeah. coming across on the, on the scene. Uh, we might be tinkering. We've got some friends. We form a band. What's your advice for a young band these days? My advice to a festival band. Festival band or normal band? Let's say festival band. It's a, it, we're on intense. Video, 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 fake hits, video. <laughs> Young people. Video, video, because that's the only thing that's working right now. Social. The whole record label things are gone. And what do you Spotify think of Spotify is being record, record labels the only place that record labels are making money and not paying artists a penny. And what do you think about social, the, the social media approach and self-publication? I mean, most people are putting out their own stuff and they're getting just as many sales as with the labels. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the only way. I mean, what can they do? Nowadays, a record label's going to have to buy... That when they get you, they get your friends, you know, because they've got no other way of really getting your friends. It's the only currency left. Yeah, your community is the most important thing, especially if you're from a micro-genre or something diverse like where we're from. Mm. We're from not, not from the mainstream anyway, you know. Grassroots. So we have to have our micro-genres, of people. And it's very nice. Right, well, listen, Chris, what's it all about? Like, for you personally, why do you put in all that effort? Why do you, why do you traipse through the mud? Why do we do the late nights? Why do we work for so little money? Well, what is the motivation? Well, quite what really simply, makes this, us go to a festival? This is the best job that any person <laughs> in the whole of England can possibly have. And uh, I'm lucky enough to hold that job. What is it you love about it? Um... Basically, every single festival is like a temporary reality, and it's a temporary reality that I know really well. And then, at whatever time it finishes, which is as late as we'll te- be allowed to take it, it all just collapses. And every week for 15 weeks, it's been like that—an insane, paradisical reality that collapses. Mm. It's all about temporary reality mm. and temporary community, perhaps. And tempor- as well. This is exactly what I mean. This temporary community that keeps flagging up has like become my family. 
And over like 30 years, you've seen the same people all the years and new people That's and more new people. It's a big family. It's like this temporary community and whole reality world that just like smashes it. You know what I'm saying? So, But Chris, 30 years, huh? have you ever organized your own festival? You what? Have you ever organized your own festival? Yeah, loads of times. Yeah, brilliant. Loads of times. I come from a free festival organizing background. Yeah, exactly. It was a bit different. Know, back in those days, anybody who was around was the festival organizer. You know? There was no, you know, people just pulled into fields and put on stages and fought the law. Free parties. And the law didn't always win by any means. But those were different times now. And to see those times commodified into these times is also somehow, sometimes it's done really badly. But I still see people from the traveling times here, mm. from Stonehenge, if you like, from Castle Morton. There's loads of people here who are from that community. So they've made, in a sense, everyone, no one had a frigging job. <laughs> no one had any chance of getting any frigging jobs. But now, a lot of that community are running things. Do you know what I'm saying? So you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Maybe capitalism works, yeah. gotta hope. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been sitting with Chris Tofu on the carousel. I love bloody Freddy. The whole world loves this guy I'm talking to here now. Whoever you are out there, you should know that. Chris, this guy is the king of the ding. We all love him. Thank you, sir. And congratulations on the NBA. And congratulations to your mum. Yeah, that's the main item. Because she is so proud of you. Exactly. Don't tell any of the anarchists. And I'm just quickly, Chris, just in your presence, I'm just going to kiss the horse on your carousel. Just on the mouth. kissing the horse openly on the mouth. Just ride well, beauty. (laughs) Intense. Only on Badger Radio. So to give you an example of the kind of bands that rock Chris's stages, here's a track from the folk fusionist, the John Langan Band. Um, we're massive fans of the John Langan Band at the Badger. Um, and just a big thank you to Chris. I mean, really, he, he's, his smile is just the most encouraging, positive, motivating mentor. So thank you, Chris. This is John Langan Band, Pumpkin Pie. Land and I tried to tell them why, but they couldn't understand. Oh, do, do. I wake up in the morning, I'm feeling alright, but I can see your twisted faces in the morning light, and I smile at the eyes of the fools who oh, were counting up their jewels. Oh, do, do, do. Thinking of the wonderful things they could buy. Lives and they try to put me down. Cause the soles of my feet are brown. Yeah, but I got some pumpkin pie. I get a bite. Oh, and ask me why. We love a pump, pump, a pumpkin pie. How it makes us fly. Takes us to our sky. Oh, and ask me why. We love a pumpkin Sound and I try to let them see what it feels like to be free. Oh, 
Me. I feel happy when they look me in the every penny that lands in my hand. I'll buy it till you turn the bubbles. I mean to get my life. We eat for free. Come and share this feast with me. Come out some pumpkin pie. We'll get by. Don't ask me why. We love a pump on a pumpkin pie. I'll make us fly. Takes us to our sky. Chris said in the Revelers Village, we just keep them rocking out uh, for as long as we can, really, until the punters scream their traditional one more and we are not permitted to appease them. Yeah, the license at Wilderness is a relatively early one, so we often hear punters complaining that the, the music is finished too early. But really, it's a daytime heavy program, and this early license is good because it sort of encourages us to get to bed so we can enjoy the packed day uh, the next day. But it also leads to these really beautiful campfire vibes with mates really having time to catch up properly instead of just being passing munters in the night. Still, the success of these underground live music stage uh, stages at festivals like Chris's Global Local, Global Local, The Living Rooms, Chai Wallers, Small Worlds, The Lizard Stage, The Artful Badger, in drawing people away from the sort of seemingly endless electronic music DJ stages is really a tribute to the listenability and the danceability of these mad fusions of reggae, folk, world, Balkan, ska and afro. And on this very theme, I've been so looking forward to catching up with the Turbans, who we're about to hear from. 
who this year played on the main stage. Um, and they started out smuggling musicians into festivals as they couldn't get enough tickets to play as a band. And now they're on the main stage with 30 musicians. I mean, perhaps there is a change of approach towards these lesser known genres of music. But before we head backstage to hear from the Turbans, a quick word about spectacles. No, I don't mean the ones that you put on your face to see better. I mean big, dramatic, mind-bending spectacles visible by the entire festival. Wilderness has always prided itself on this um, for their Saturday night. Uh, Tim Harvey, one of the creators of the event and uh, also one of the creators of the original Secret Garden too, he went to great pains each year to find something jaw-droppingly high-level and high-impact. Uh, last year, the Catalan physical theatre geniuses Fora del Baus recruited almost 100 members of the audience to be suspended in formation on a giant aerial rig uh, with only a day's rehearsal at the festival. Uh, and that was alongside a giant 15 meter high puppet. So just to give you an idea. The year before was a local Bristol circus company doing a tightrope show. Commonplace, you think? No, the tightropes were on fire as they walked over them. The year before that was a large procession and performance in an enormous fantasy castle structure, which was then burnt for everybody to see a massive burn. So this year's offering by Chris Levine and his IY project had a lot to live up to. Uh, and this audiovisual project was born at the Eden Project um, and works with lasers and the effect of the, the sort of purity and single frequency of the laser's light. The quality of the lasers was, was impressive and the effect was strong, but I overheard many regulars at the festival saying that they felt like it was more of a high-tech mainstage light show, not the usual theatrical spectacle they'd come to look forward to. All the same, uh, these one-off adventures for the punters give a really valuable focus to the Saturday night. They bring the whole festival together. So keep it up, Wilderness. More spectacles, please. Right, enough reportage. Let's get to the main stage and hear how the Turbans' main stage gig with 30 musicians went. So we're backstage at the main stage. The Turbans have just played and they're still playing. Not just in one room, but in another room as well. So we're about to talk to these guys, but they just can't stop playing music. Amazing. And I have found him. I found one of the founders of the Turbans Project. Oshan, welcome to Badger Radio. Thanks for coming on, brother. Thank you, Freddie. Thank you very much. So you just smashed it out there. They were going mental. How many people do you think were out there? At least a hundred thousand, but I wasn't wearing my glasses, so I don't know. I can't can't tell for sure. A <laughs> hundred thousand million. Yeah, yeah, billions and billions and billions. But anyway, you know, a lot of these people maybe they've never come across this kind of music. Why do festival crowds go so crazy for your music? I think that we play from we play from the heart as a band. Everyone, everyone in the band gives all their energy in every gig, and that's. That's something that's very rarely found now in, in, in live music. I think people play, the music's beautiful, but the, the energetic element isn't always there. And with the turbans, that's our, that's our superpower. Everyone has this magic, you know, um, that they you, give everything. And when you say superpower, I mean, <laughs> that is exactly what it is, because you guys just absolutely smash your instruments, you give it all your energy, and yeah. you really get people jumping. Yeah, the sun, the sun was shining on us, actually. We were very lucky. And I could just see these wood chippings flying up from my <laughs> guitar. 
And I've never actually, I must have been playing really hard. I've never seen that before, but yeah. Um, so dude, you guys, um, the two original founders, yourself and your and your colleague, who yeah. sadly is not with us today. Yeah. What's his name? I mean, he's with us in... Uh, in spirit. In spirit. I mean, he's alive. Yeah, no, I didn't mean like that. <laughs> he's, um, yeah, Darius, he's not here. He's, he's doing a... A theatre production for Fiddler on the Roof, oh, I wow. guess, which is pretty amazing. Wow. Um, but you guys founded this project. It, it, you yeah. guys are both Iranian. Is that half Iranian, both of us, half Iranian, half English. And um, so what's the connection? What brought you to the Balkan sound? And okay. what's the connection between the two sounds? Because I hear both of them so clearly. In I think that the sound, actually, of the tur the sound of the turbans was came to us like we didn't choose the sound the sound the sound is what it is you know um you know we started off cycling together in in india and nepal playing music um anything that we liked and and some of that music happened to be you know turkish greek B bulgarian balkan music and and then i don't know a year later or something we all of a sudden started picking up musicians and the the sound fell into this Vulcan sound and um, but I not mean, solely it's, it is every single country of each of these contributing musicians interestingly yeah. but it sounds like one band and that's what it sounds it's, it's just so fantastic it doesn't feel yeah. like you're plugging together all these different sounds it feels really unified as, yeah as I said we're not trying to create something you know do this or that it just happens you know and, mm. and a lot and of improvisation so much improvisation <laughs> we never know what's going to happen <laughs> <laughs> okay so you aren't really a band then you're a collective of musicians that gather at various places across the world to try and uh, fulfill the gigs expected mm. by your mm. loving fans <laughs> And so how does that work? What is, what's it like being a collective? Well, it means that anyone that wants to play ever can. You know, if someone's in, in the same place, they come and play. Today we had Faith and Branco who, who just came up on stage and joined us. We, we met them recently and loved their music and said, come and, come and join us on the stage. And we, we played a song that we never play as a band and we played it with them and it, and it was... It was beautiful, the crowd loved it, and it was so happy, it's so nice to not be fixed in what you are and who you, you know, who you're meant to be, you know, we're just whatever, you know, we're, we say we're from anywhere, you know, we're a collective from anywhere. anywhere. Love yeah. it. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> Righto, dude, well, what about the album, you know, I've been playing it a lot recently, I know, yeah. I know you were sort of undecided about what to do with it, mm. are you putting it out yourselves, we, where can the listeners find it? Well... We're in negotiation with a record label. Right. Hopefully it'll happen. I don't want to um, jinx it or anything, but we'll see. Hopefully um, in the spring next year it'll be out. And will you consider self-publication? If not, I mean, of why course. Not? I mean, why not? I mean, we we've done everything by ourselves until now, and it's it's beautiful. It means we connect with with the people that we're working with in every every level. However. Um, I feel like the way that the world works, sometimes you need help. You need marketing, you need yeah. business behind it with, you know, playing the game as it were. And we might have found two lovely American guys that know what they're doing and <laughs> and we'll see. Watch the space. Well, listen, thank you, Osh, and I shall be the first to be telling everybody yeah. right here on Intense and on my other podcast on Totem as soon as it does come out. 
Now listen, Osh, this is all about festivals, intense. We're trying to work out why we do this. Yep. You guys have talked, you've talked about improv, you've talked about the joy of just playing music together, literally just for the love of it. I yep. mean, in the wider picture, you know, what what what's a festival? What's your dream festival like? Oh, right, we're getting Freddie in here, right? Freddie. Dream festival. I'll, yeah, I'll let Freddie answer so that one. Freddie, Freddie, what instrument do you play in, in the turbines? The bass. You play the bass? Yes, I play the bass. Okay, well, you've got to get nice and close there, Freddie. Nice and close here. So what, yeah. what me and Osh are talking about is we're trying to work out if we had our dream festival, or particularly if Osh and you guys had your dream festival, what would it be like? The dream festival, there would be no rubbish. There would be bands that the people want to have on stage on stage <laughs> and bandy mcband face no. it's a bandy mcband face you know let the people have a choice i reckon actually they should make you know how you get the smiley buttons in the supermarkets and you can comment on people's service they should have them on bands <laughs> and right, the at the right in front of the stage just like bah. yeah you so you next next year then just won't don't go down again back, yeah. you know whoever gets the most smileys it's it's harsh but this well, this, is, this it, is probably is the future is isn't it, it? But you mentioned diversity there. I think that's an important thing, isn't it? Just, as you say, having a choice. That's why I come to festivals, because I know I'm going to find all kinds of stuff I don't know about Exactly. Yet. There's not enough festivals that have uh, live music and equal electronic music, for mm -hmm. example. There's mm -hmm. usually more electronic music going around because it's actually easier to carry the stuff. <laughs> Seems like PA systems are nowadays built to fit on a track rather than yeah, make a good sound. You know? Absolutely. Oh, Shane, anything to add to that? What, you know, any, any features in your dream festival that you might want to add there? Dream Festival and Fluffy Clouds. Fluffy Clouds, beautiful women. <laughs> God, did I just say that? And if, if anyone in the world, I urge you, if you have too much money that you're blowing on silly things, please blow it onto just something really stupid, like <laughs> sending a bunch of parachute people. Out of the sky at some festival, <laughs> just for no reason at no all. No reason at all. Waste the money. Make something have pretty some instead of something sad. Okay, but that brings me on to the next question, because you guys have obviously done a lot of touring, you've done a lot of gigs. What is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to the band? What is the funniest, strangest, most terrifying and obscure thing that's ever happened to you guys? Um, well, I was telling people about our story here at Wilderness. You know, the first, first years we came here, we had to... We had to even sneak our own band members in to play at this festival. <laughs> yes, I'm familiar and, with this problem. Yeah. And slowly, slowly we got, you know, they then they'd give us some tickets and then a stage and then a better slot and, you know, then an even better one. And then, then we actually got paid something. And, <laughs> you know, and I feel like we've come here every year, for example, and... And now they put us on the main stage and that, we're so grateful for that, to, to have that opportunity. And, that shouldn't sound like a weird thing, but it is weird, you know. This, uh, <laughs> it's a little bit scary, you know. Not not scary, it just you have respect all of a sudden when you see such a huge crowd show up to you at the main stage. It's like, it, yeah. It's weird. You know, you've done it a million times, you suddenly go, ah, okay. Yeah. It's like uh, suddenly you're not the clown, you know. Well, it's weird touching. that they gave us the chance. That's what I mean. It shouldn't yeah. be, but it is. Yeah. But we have played. Um, Fully naked gigs. Um, <laughs> Secret Garden, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And and then it's really funny after doing those, meeting people that were in the audience or something, and you're like, oh, hi, do I know you? And and when you meet someone without their clothes on, you don't judge them at all. 
Yeah, you, know, you don't recognize them. Yeah, I've, I've met people and they go, oh, I've seen you at that naked game, but I don't even know who you are. Exactly. Now you've got clothes on. But they know you intimately. They know you <laughs> a lot better than than that they you think they should, but... But yeah. Osh, on that point about, you know, larger gigs and smaller gigs, you know, um, we at the Artful Budget, we actually cultivate intimacy and intimate gigs, thinking that really if you want to have a really, really close connection with your crowd and really, really get them into the instrumentals, get them into the dancing, it's actually quite nice to have smaller gigs. Do you agree there? 100%. I mean, ideally, you play a gig where your sweat is falling onto the, the audience member in front of you. That isn't always possible, <laughs> uh, but I think that connection that happens then is a lot longer lasting. You know, I mean, playing on the on the big stage like this with a big gap between us and the audience, actually, it's a lot harder then to interact and to to do that deep connection. But I felt like we today we did an amazing thing and we we really fell in love with each other. Oh, um, that's great! And you had thirty, smaller shows 30 and, musicians on stage. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, we had a, a choir, oh my another band. Um, and a Rajasthani prince. Oh, my God. <laughs> Amazing stuff. And the crowd absolutely loved it. Osh, where can the listeners keep up with your work? What's the best place to follow you? I think the best way to follow us is to come to all our gigs. <laughs> um, we, do, I mean, we really believe in live music. Yeah. But where do we find you online in terms of where, what your dates are? On theturbans.co.uk. Theturbans.co.uk. Yep. Thank you so much, Osh. Freddie, yep. thank you for your thoughts as well. as well. Thank and you. And all the best, boys. All the best. The turbans, ladies and gentlemen. So let's hear a track from the new album. Can't wait for this to be all out for you. This is Cherno More. As Robotic Transporta. Transporta, Transporta. As Robotic Transporta. Taiskaram kurorda, taiskaram kurorda, taiskaram kurorda, taiskaram kurorda. Cerno more, slance pece, na more to duka chakra kadei. Cerno more, angela pei. Cerno more, slance pece, na more to duka chakra kadei. Cerno more, angela pei. Platim kurorta, dasi platim kurorta, dasi platim kurorta, dasi platim kurorta. Cerno more, slance pece, na 
So that's about it from me and the Wilderness Festival for another year. We can highly recommend it. Uh, from all these points of view, stunning natural beauty, pioneering non-musical entertainment, spectacles and top music. Uh, so do consider it. It's been a joy reporting for you today. And uh, be sure to tune in to the next show in, uh, in a couple of weeks' time, direct from the Mandrea Festival in the Northern Italian Alps, which is listed as one of the top 10 European festivals and is gathering a really big following in UK thanks to the organisers collaborating, collaborating with a, uh, a lot of us UK crews, including obviously the Alpha Badger. Um, I'm really hoping to interview Toots and the Matals there. He's one of my reggae heroes, um, but I don't want to jinx it. I just hope he doesn't change his mind. So thanks for listening and following us on Sound um, on Mixcloud, not Soundcloud, sorry, Mixcloud. Uh, we'll be up on iTunes podcast app soon too, so be sure to review us and, uh, and help us broaden this this totally grassroots listener base. So last tune then. Another new talent for me at Wilderness, Michael Kimunuka. This is him with Tell Me A Tale. Happy days, guys. Thank you, love. Tell me a tale that always was. Sing me a song that I'll always be. Tell me a story that I can read Tell me a story that I believe Hey 
picture that I can see Give me a touch that I can feel Turn me around so I can be Everything I was meant to be Get the fire delicious with Badger Radio. Right? Yeah. 